Welcome to the Late Night Latte on Latte Firm. Sorry, my voice is a bit up and down because of the gargantuan game that was yesterday at the Emirates. Arsenal, it's Derby Day Delight. Arsenal have slapped Spurs in the North London Derby. And I want to get all your comments and I want to relive the game and I want to talk about everything that happened. What a game, what a game. Welcome to everybody watching. Uh, Do drop a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if you're new. Let's get through some greetings as we normally do. Patrick, evening all. Lovely. Patrick, you were here a long while ago, so thanks so much for waiting patiently. As was Clegg, evening latte firm, still buzzing from yesterday, looking forward to chatting about it. As am I, Clegg, as am I. North London is, of course, red. Um, Nicholas says, live satellite view of North London. Yes, it is indeed red. Uh, it is red. Oh, what? This is just great. I want to smile all the way through this. V Vlad, hello, FK, Yem, was. Hello to all you gooners. Um, such a great weekend. We'll be buzzing all week after yesterday. Doesn't it make going into work so much sweeter? Facing all your mates that support Spurs, facing all your mates that just wrote Arsenal off before the game. It feels really, really good to do that. Um, Dylan XD, my sweet, sweet gunners. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, indeed. Patrick Carlson says, good evening. Trevor Bibbins, good evening, FKA. So proud to be a gooner today. Lots of lovely comments coming in. Freddie Preston, evening, FK. What a beautiful day it was to eulogize about. And eulogize about it, we will. Yes. I'm punctual. Thanks so much. Not late for once in a, um, you know, in, in a few months' time. Ricky O'Brien, knee sliding into the chat like a boss. Look, guys, I'm 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 so ready for this. Right, let's bring in some guests as we normally do. First up, he needs no intro for the 33rd time on the late night lattes. It is, of course, Usman Yembele at verse 59. Yem, how are you, mate? Hey, how else can you be but ecstatic? What a what a gargantuan day it was yesterday. It was perfect. The sun was out. It was beautiful. The game was the air was crisp. You know, it, you know, quote old soul camp. It was oh, mate, and it, what a perfect day. What a way to round it off with a mega feast. That's and was, speaking of crisp and feast, snack check. What you got? I have got the Hershey's cookie and cream, you know, just to... Uh... Hershey's cookie and cream. I don't think I've ever had that in my life. What? Oh, God, mate. It's, uh, uh, well, well, it's, got... it's an interesting one. What have you got? Some uneaten lunch smoked chipotle crisps from Pret. They are absolutely oh. tremendous, I have to be honest. That's pretty and, good. mate, to wash it down, right? To wash it down, boys and girls. Ah. <laughs> is that the one from yesterday? Is that the that one, from, one yesterday? from yesterday? I couldn't have two fizzy drinks in one day. I mean, come on, I'm 40 years old, but this is going to go down a delight tonight. Uh, but yeah, welcome to the show. Let's get through, through some more greetings. Lots of nice comments coming in. Northern Lights, Evening FK. Matt J says, that's a nice big smile for a Sunday night AFK. Yes! I'm so happy. Uh, James here, making sure I'm in the office tomorrow up the arsenal. Quagmire! My boy, my boy. So good to see you. Salut, Bashiru. Go, Granite Xhaka, Granite Xhaka. Xhaka. Oh, tears mm. in my eyes. RJ, Arsenal vlog. Rohan, welcome. Go on, Faisal. Evening, FK. Femi. Oh, my God. So many comments. Right. I want to bring in the third musketeer. And of course, that is, was, Arsenal was. How are you, my friend? 
Oh, very, very happy geezer. Come on. Oh, mate, Still oh. absolutely buzzing. I, I'm sure um, I'm sure everyone's feeling the mate, same as us, but what a joy day. to come on and have a little chat about this, eh? <laughs> the whole day is... Do you know what? I love Saturday early morning kickoffs. Big game. You win it and it makes your weekend. You lose it and you, you know, you, you're just depressed for the whole sort of two days. You can sit back, feet on the sofa, watching the game today taking place and just not stressed. How was it for you, Was? stressful mate <laughs> obviously it's that game that it's it's the worst game of the season until you win and when I say win I'm sitting there in the 91st minute three one up against 10 men praying for the whistle you know it's it's not over till it's over in the derby and we were just sensational mate and and, and to, not just to win because you can always win a derby whether you're good or bad but we won well we won playing the way we play we absolutely made Spurs look very very average and we also done it whilst being top of the league. So does it get any better than that in in October, you know? Perfect, mate. There's so much I want to talk about, Was, And we're going to talk about the key moments, the stats, the style of play between Arteta Ball and the Conte counter. I want to talk about, you know, how we dominated Spurs. And I want to just get your thoughts on so much. But before we do that, Was, we, this is something that I touched upon on the match preview a couple of nights ago. I thought it was quite a powerful question. We heard Yem's side of it, but... Was what does the North London derby mean to you? You've been a match-going fan for a long time, and just while you do that, I'm going to help you reminisce by putting up some images from North London derbies of the past. You've got Bergkamp, Sesk, Torreira, and that 4-2 under Unai Emery, Aaron Ramsey. This is my home, that Wembley win. Henri winning the league, and of course, Kalasinac lifting up the corner flag and chucking it in. I mean, when you see these images and when the fixtures come out, surely it's the first season, the first fixture that you look for. But what does it mean to you, the North London derby was? It's, it's just a game that's of an indescribable magnitude, regardless of league position, regardless of what it is, a cup game, it doesn't matter. It's Arsenal Spurs, it's the game, you know, it is. And, and it's the same for both sides. And and the feeling, the energy, the, the whole aura of the game is just indescribable. And being lucky enough, obviously, to go to many, many North London derbies, the fact all these images you've got here, you just don't forget any of the moments. And, and, and it goes down forever. Like yesterday, that moment, the Granite Xhaka moment, that will go down in forever. And in 15, 20 years' time, people will still talk about that because of the game. But as a fan, you know, everyone, all of us have got so many Spurs mates. We're all in we're close proximity. They're just the aggression, the tenacity, the players are up for it. Everything about the game, it's just special. And, and as I say, being able to experience that firsthand and the feeling of euphoria and the explosion of energy when a goal goes in or that big first tackle or every single little moment of these games matter. And that's, for me, it's the only way to describe it. And actually the first um, first North London derby I went to, we won 1-0 at home and it was Jose Antonio Reyes. Um, rest in peace, bless him. But, and, and that moment, you just I remember him left foot, wallet, bottom corner, cross the keeper and you just... As the years go by, more and more memories gain. And, and thankfully at home, we've been absolutely fantastic lately. But yeah, the actual occasion itself. I mean, I actually prefer the away derbies because I'm less nervous. Um, oh, that's a bold yeah, I actually, Yeah, I actually prefer going away. I feel like there's, you know, especially lately, there's less expectation on us. And, and, and if we turn up and do something, it'll be fantastic. But at home, you can't lose, mate. You've got to win. It's not even. It's not even. You can't lose. Sorry, you you just got to win that game at home, and and all the pressure's on. And for me, them kind of days, the team, everything sort of goes out the window, and it's head on the game, 
that first tackle, you win it. If you don't win the first ball, you win the second ball. You get the crowd going. You just make sure that everyone's aware and, and bloody hell, we've done it, mate. And I'm looking forward to getting stuck into this about yesterday because what a derby <laughs> that was. Indeed, I, I can I can hear the sensitivities in all of our voices. This is going to be fun, <laughs> uh, right? Let's crack on. So let's talk about the starting lineup from tomorrow. From tomorrow. From yesterday. <laughs> uh, yeah, can we do it again? It's been a long week. I wish. I wish. Um, yeah, I'm coming to you first because you and I shared the journey in. I think we both agreed that this was our strongest team, but we did have a bit of a debate about Sinchenko and Tierney, um, and was I'll come to you in just a second on that as well, but. Let's not talk about what you saw, but just going in, you were quite comfortable with Sinchenko starting left-back. I wanted Tierney to start left-back. Tell us about that, and then tell us about the team that Arteta picked. What is, was it as strong as we could have gone? Oh, it was. For the first time, actually, in a long time, coming into a North London derby, we actually had our strongest team. And as you said, the, the Zinchenko-Tierney debate is one that's actually a really nice debate because obviously we're debating you know, between good players. It's not square peg, round holes kind of thing. It was more of a case I want. I thought we were going to control the game more with Zinchenko, and obviously we'll talk about his influence or issues in the game later on. But I thought it was a really strong team. I was really pleased actually that we could put out a really strong team and actually show who we are because we usually injuries, party, etc. I was so glad party was in there, and it actually showed in the game. We'll talk about him as well because he was absolutely mega during the game. I, you know, but. A fully fully fit squad, your first team, it was perfect. I mean, we couldn't ask for more. And, you know, the other thing about this lineup was we knew, we pretty much knew what was coming, apart from Zinchenko and, you know, maybe our, our fullbacks. That was the only debate. But the rest of them, that spine, we actually have a very, very solid spine. And it's not even, you know, the, the standard spine, goalkeeper, defender, midfielder, attacking midfielder thing. It's the front three. It's the the midfield, Jacker party, and then defence. Your two centre backs and your goalkeeper. That's the. It, 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 it's amazing that we had that yesterday, and I'm glad that we, you know, we are looking in good shape for next week as well. But, but just to go back to the question, as Solomon um, Hanno has just said, I thought Tilly would start because he's better defensively. I mean, you did say on the pre-match uh, late night latte that you wanted yeah. Sinchenko. Um, as the game kind of went on. I was just so anxious about Spurs getting them on the break. Sinchenko was so advanced, so yeah. high up the pitch. How did you feel about that? No, it was pretty obvious from, you know, what, five minutes in? Zinchenko, you know, how Arteta asked was to play very high, but Zinchenko was playing way too high. And it was causing, you know, it was... Stress. We, it was stress. You know, Walid was losing it. So Walid, who's on Twitter as well, lost his mind during the first, like, half an hour. He was going absolutely mental because Zinchenko was just literally... He was, like, halfway up the field and they'd already broken. He was like, what the, where are? Where is he? And to be fair, Gabriel did look more nervous because he was uncertain where his left back... There was no cover for him. But it's the game we are playing. It's our, it's how Arteta has, has approached this game, that he wants to impose himself on the team. Now, Zinchenko is not the best defensively. We can all acknowledge that. But what he does give you is control in the midfield, good passing range, control, etc. I will say, though, that lately Tierney has actually started to come in more into my thinking because he's actually, because of his personality, he's actually starting to compete with Zinchenko for his control in the midfield and actually providing those, you know, that defensive solidity while still being a creative outlet moving forward. So 
it's going to be really hard because I know Zinchenko is a winner with Man City. He's got the experience. He's got the technique. But Tierney's pushing all the way. That's what you, all you can ask in this in this you know in this team. Was what are your thoughts? Were you happy with the lineup? Did you have any anxieties about maybe Sinchenko Tierney? No, I was, I was happy with it, and I'll, I'll tell you the reason why is because I think it was a very bold statement from Arteta in a sense that he was like, "Look, this is the way we play. We are ball dominant. We're better than you. You're going to sit back. This is why we're playing." We, okay, great. You're good on the counter, but I he. He trusts his centre-backs. He trusts his centre-backs in transition. And for years, we haven't had centre-backs that can run. We haven't had centre-backs that can get tight when they need to get tight. They don't get spun very often, you know. It's, it's very rare you see Saliba or Gabriel, A, losing a foot race and B, get spun on the on the, on the the counter. Or there's, there's always occasions where a ball get played out and one our centre-back will go to half-go and then they'll be in no-man's land. And then the striker can either get the ball and turn or what happens now is it's either they're through them or they're off enough to, to go with a run. And and that's why I think he's got that trust and that belief in his players that he, um, although, uh, as Yen was saying, Tierney, the last couple of appearances, has sort of replicated that role. You just know that Zinchenko is um, technically far superior in that regard. And not that Tierney's a bad player, it's just that Zinchenko is effectively, you know, he has he has, he has the abilities of a, of a centre midfielder playing fullback, which he utilises in the positions he gets in because of the space created. So, I, for me, looking at that, I wouldn't have been surprised to see Tierney, but I understood immediately why, and I thought it was extremely positive that um, Arteta was of that impression because we, we, we're we so good now, especially with Tommy Party in there and the two centre-backs at cleaning up um, lost balls. Just, every time there's a break or there's a counter, we snuff it out. So, I think um, Arteta had real belief and confidence and that clearly bred through because it, I think it was the right thing to do. The player that also gives us confidence is Tommy Party. We know our forward three was going to be our forward three, but Party coming in yesterday, it, I mean, that was a massive boost, wasn't it? Was mate, I, I said before, he reminds me of um, reminds me of like the hungry hippo game, didn't I? Where anything near him, he just sort of like, and he's gone, grabs it, and pulls it back in again, and. There's there's no control lost with that guy. It's absolutely sensational. He can win his duels. He's quick. He's strong. He's intelligent. And and then since he's dropped back into this role, his range of passing, everything about this guy screams top top quality. And when he plays at the top of his game, like he did against City last season at home, like he did against Spurs, I'm telling you now, there is not a better midfielder in this Premier League. I don't care what anyone says. When he's on his top form, he could play for anyone, he could win the title for anyone, and he could play in most of the best teams that have been down the years because he is that good. Now, his issue Ooh. is staying fit, managing him, and, but wow, we've now found a role with him. He, he sits in that balance. It's just so perfect, mate. But the like we said, we the, the biggest issue we've got, yes, if he goes out, but he's, he's almost impossible to replace, even externally. It's going to be very, very difficult to find someone that will replicate his role. So, as a team, I think it's, it's very important we don't get too bogged down on on Thomas Park. We all know how good he is and how important he is, but we've got to ensure that we're confident enough to do it without him. And it might mean a few alterations and, and a little bits and bobs changing here, but we'll find a way. But at the moment, this guy, you know, when he plays, my God, does he play? Do you know what the, scar- do you know what the scariest thing about Party yesterday was? He's not even fit. He wasn't even hard. He was like. He was at seventy percent apparently. So if he's fully fit, that's it's scary how good he could actually be if we could actually keep him. 
fully fit. And I'm actually, I, I think everyone was so relieved when he went off around about, what was it, uh, 75 minutes or so. We were all relieved because he's got to be wrapped up in cotton wool. He should not even be near the stadium on a Thursday <laughs> night, honestly. Well, that's what Trevor, Trevor Bibbins is saying. I love party to death, but we need to keep him fit for a full season. There's an interesting theory that I think Yankee Gunner off uh, the Arsenal Vision uh, has sort of looked into numbers and his appearances for Atletico Madrid. And, and they actually used him quite sparingly in all the big games. And maybe that's what Arteta needs to do uh, with Thomas Party this year. There's a question coming in about his pronunciation. Asad Malik says, is it Party or Partey? Party sounds like a classic English mispronunciation. I'll tell you what, Asad. I'm going to go with Partey because it was Derby Day. And of course, we were victorious. Let's move on to some of the match stats <laughs> and uh, highlights uh, as I go through the slides. First up, uh, courtesy of the analyst on Twitter and the Premier League, the scoreline obviously Arsenal beating Spurs by three goals to one. This is interesting. This is a chart that shows attacking threat. You guys might be familiar with this. You may not be familiar with this. Um, anybody seeing this for the first time, this is, this is basically tracking the attacking threat of both teams throughout the 90 minutes of a game. The red is all Arsenal. You've got the tiny, tiny, tiny little triangle in sort of purpley blue uh, around the sort of 35, 37 minute mark. Um, was what does this tell you about the overall game? Of course, we'll talk about the individual goals in just a second. But a lot was said about, um, you know, uh, Conte being effective and the way that he's got into the transfer market and the creative players that they've got, and the forwards that they've got in their, in their, in their team. And actually, there was a, there was a stat at the very start of the game, which predicted a 35% chance of a home win and a 36% chance of an away win. When you look at this, this tells you everything, doesn't it, Was It does, but I, I do. I did expect to see something similar to that because ultimately Spurs were coming to be, dominant, uh, be dominated. They were going to allow us the ball. We'd done very well to create as many openings as we did because they don't concede many attempts on goal Spurs and... and and they're, they're quite compact and they know what they're doing, you know, and it's a Conte side. And and to be fair, and, it, and it, people might not like this, but there were moments in transition where if they had more quality, we could have been in trouble. And that was, it, I, I actually think tactically, I don't think Conte was terrible. And I think like when he had the best Chelsea teams, when he had players like Hazard and Costa and people like that in transition, that's why he was so successful. And they knew they were going to sit back and, and hope for them chances. But what we did do is we set our stall out. We were so aggressive from the start. They they kicked off. We won the ball back within 15 seconds. Bosh, bosh, bosh. We went down, went out wide, got the throw in, long throw. If you remember, Xhaka flicked it on. Um, long, long lay cleared it, went out for a corner straight away and we're on the front foot. And immediately we're there creating chances and, and it, it sort of set your stall out right from the first minute. So... There's one thing being ball dominant, but actually being a threat, which is what that chart is showing, is something very different because it's difficult to break down deep blocks and become a threat. It's very easy. We saw it for years. That the, um, Giles, great guy, used to call it the arc of boredom, which it was because we'd go swing out, but no, absolutely nothing, no penetrative passes, just left back, back across, centre back, centre back. And it was just, you couldn't get through the lines. But what we were doing was absolutely manipulating them and, We'll come on to the first goal. I want to say a little bit about it when we get there, but just fantastic, mate. But yeah, to start so hard and fast. And you see there on that graph, look at the most threat in the whole game. When was it? First 10 minutes, because we were there turning up at home. Come on, we're the Arsenal. We're the team here. We're top of the league. You're in our backyard. Give us a ball back straight away, 15 seconds, and then we're there. You can see the first four or five passes, link, 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 gone. Jesus chops inside. 
And that was the start we all wanted to see. And I think from that moment, we were just very, very dominant. And um, obviously, we'll go on to talk about the rest of the game. But yeah, I mean, that chart is very good to see because not just the control of the ball, it indicates the actual attacking threat, which we were causing. You're quite right. I mean, yeah, we talked about this again in the in the pre-match space that we held on Friday night where we were looking ahead to the game and, and the style of play. I know as a fan which style of play I'd want my team to be playing. And the question that was put to us as a panel, Yem, was, you know, which which style of play is sustainable? You know, to to if we play this game 10 times over the next 10 weekends, Spurs might nick one or two because we don't finish our chances. But on the whole, what I'm seeing from Arsenal is just so encouraging. And the way that we dominate and control, as, as was just said, almost suffocate your opposition like we did at Brentford, certainly. Uh, that just puts, in, it puts us in good stead, Yem. And your thoughts on the attacking threat chart? Uh, no, it it just told the story of the game. I mean, we already everyone knew what Spurs were coming to do. It was not there was no secrets in how they were going to approach the game. Conte is very direct in how he he plays the game. It is, you know, Harry Kane in the centre of the field, swing balls out to Son and Kulusevski and Richarlison in this case. Nothing special. Low block. It, it was anti-football. Someone mentioned it, it was anti-football. It was pretty... The, the passing as well, the quality of passing in the, the Spurs was pathetic. Honestly, I've, it was almost, you know, League Two level kind of passing. It was so basic. There was no... You know, you're talking about high-quality players in the Spurs squad. Let's not, you know, let's not, you know, put them down. They are good-quality players. But they're playing such a... a, a a, a boring game in terms of how they set up. It, it, it's what's got content to, to the dance, fine, but it was so boring watching them. And, but obviously, we always knew that one moment where they will swing the ball out to to their wide players, and Kane will get in the box, fine. But it's not sustainable over a season because you're talking about when you actually have to play. You know, when you're when you're not winning. So say that we, you know, three one up. What did Conte do? He stuck four defenders on because he knew there was no way he was going to come back into it. The, the way they play, they are not going to be able to, you know, have enough chances and enough key moments to to affect the game. So he gave up. It's it's a it, if they'd scored first, as Wallace said, it might have been a different game. But to be fair, Antonio Conte has taken a lot of stick for those changes and. Look, it's all laughable at the time. We were 2-1. They get the red card. We go and get 3-1. He's got Champions League football to be preparing for in the week. He's probably just thought, right, dead rubber. Arsenal have won, won this. There's no way we're going to come back in this game with 10 men. Probably the right thing to do. But, you know, going back to the style, I would much rather support a team that played the way that we did. And you look at the stats, you know, three goals to one, of course. XG 2.2 to 1.4. Was do one? Does, does XG include penalties? I don't even know. Um, <laughs> um, Uncle Doris. Not, not says, too sure, but... <laughs> Uncle Doris says that XG figure for Spurs includes Kane's penalty. I don't, I don't know how it works, but, but the thing again, is... thanks to the analyst. But hang on a second, Yem. 22 shots to seven uh, in total, nine shots on target to three, and 65% possession, as, as, as all three of us have said, that that's the style of game that we were expecting. Go on, Yem. No, look, we always knew, you know, in most games, and a lot of games this season, Spurs have been very effective on those breaks that they have. It was just today that, as was said, the intensity, the occasion, there were a lot of misplaced balls. It's, you know, they are effective, you know, they're very effective in the moments of transition. They they have been throughout the whole season. That's how they've got through these, into these places, into third place from yesterday. 
But if you look at that, 22 shots, nine on target, you know, it, it it's night and day between how they're playing. You know, it's it the possession, keeping the ball away. We 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 said it in the space. If we suffocate them from the start, they're not going to be able to play out because it's very draining holding the ball and then you're waiting for a moment to, to attack. They, they Here we go. For half an hour. Anurag says 0.8 XG is included for the penalty in that stat. Yeah. Um, Patrick has just said, just Googled it, pens count 0.76 or 0.8 as Anurag says. That's quite uh, interesting. Thanks a lot for clarifying that, chaps. I want to move on to the goals, if I may. So, uh, was <laughs> look at the images. Oh. It just makes you smile, doesn't it, when you re-see it all. Um, I mean, look, let's just eulogise about them. So, was you know, 18, 19 minutes on the clock. Arsenal start building up for that first goal. Talk me through it. Yeah, you know, we've all seen the numbers. We've all seen a number of passes that led to the goal, which is absolutely fantastic. But for me, tactically, when I was looking at it tactically, the most interesting thing, we initially started, Erdegaard went out and, and joined on the right-hand side with Saka. And we built and they, they doubled up and Son was back and they had all players in position. They had Perisic, Song, and they had the, the left centre-back coming across and it was really congested. We was patient, worked our way back out. When when we went back across to the left, Zinchenko was tucked right in as the central midfielder, which allowed us to get the ball out there quicker. When we got wide, Jesus, again, they'd done well, Spurs. They were very com compact. But what this was doing, it was squeezing them. It was suffocating them. It was bringing them deeper and deeper towards their own goal. Now, I don't know, you see Martin Odegaard's interview. He was saying they were practising that Thomas party, um, getting the opportunity to have that chance all week. Not, not it was manufactured that way, but they knew obviously because the way Spurs were going to be that if we could suffocate them, if we could push them back as deep as possible, that's why it was nice to watch because we went right. They were in great shape. We went back across. We went left. Again, they were very good. When we got out, the very, very important thing, because we moved the ball quickly from left to right again, you watch the speed of Saliba's pass into Saka. So quick, so crisp, so concise. The first touch is perfect. Then... Saka is actually wide in a in a one v one situation with Perisic, and it forces Son to come back in because he thinks, "Oh no, he's, he's one on one." Then Ben White, instead of overlapping, so intelligent, just drops in. He's he's sat there. Saka knows what he's doing, and then Spurs have dropped ten yards. They're gone. They've dropped ten yards. They can't get out to Thomas Party. We've manufactured that space. We've pressed them. We've squeezed them. We've gone right. We've gone left. We've gone right again at speed. They're deep. And my word, come on. I mean, the strike, it's all well and good talking about all the tactics to build it up to it. But fucking hell, mate. Oh, my God. The eruption. <laughs> I mean, when that geezer's hit that ball. Did he lose his I'm voice up. for a second? Did you hear he lost his voice for a second there was? Well, I mate, don't blame him. <laughs> oh, mate. I was I, I literally I'm right up the other end. He's hit that. And the ball has just gone so hard. The noise. I think the noise hit me before I actually saw the goal go in the top corner. It was just one of them moments that, you know, just pandemonium, bodies absolutely everywhere. But the whole build-up to the goal was so intelligent and the way we manufactured that space, we squeezed them, squeezed them. We moved the ball quick. Saka got one-on-one. -on -one. He faint to go on the outside. They come across. Ben White just drops in. Little layoff. Oh, my God. I just want to see it again. <laughs> Obviously, for copyright <laughs> issues, I can't show the goal. No, uh, no, no. What a way that would be to get the channel taken down. Um, yeah, we obviously sit block nine just behind Ramsdale's goal for that first half. The view we had, Thomas, as the ball comes across from Ben White, Thomas Partey has deliciously 
curled that into the top corner and we've seen the ball move all the way. I mean, yeah. the view he had was spectacular. When that went in, yeah, how did you feel? Uh, I got hit in the back by the guy behind <laughs> us. That's how, that's how I felt. I was like, what the heck? I got because some dude from the behind us and the road behind jumped over to go to his mates, and I was like, "What the heck?" But it do you know what? It was it was it was an amazing piece of skill. We we've you know we've all been a bit critical of Partey and his long distance shooting. He's had it. He's done it a couple of times. But what a way to get your first open play goal for Arsenal! It was he done it last year. Do you remember? And Lloris yeah. saved it. He, he yeah. done it last year. Yeah. Lloris saved it. His left he hand did. top corner. Yeah, he, he, he he's got the Same. technique. Look, he, he's got the technique. That's not in debate. The problem is obviously his shooting range is has been he's testing the shooting range. But yesterday, as you said, was if they've been practicing in the week, you know, it's been a perfect build up to it. And again, I'm going to eulogise about Ben White because on match of the day they did the same. He was actually so intelligent yesterday. The way he was dropping, overlap, you know, coming back, tackling. People have been slating him for being played out of position and. You know, other people have been saying he's been amazing. I'm firmly in the camp that he's been actually really good for us. And again, I don't know how he's not in the England squad for for love nor money, but he was outstanding yesterday. And and obviously he gave he finished it off nicely with a little three one sign to the older enemy. And <laughs> not there were many of them left. You know, they'd all left at that point. But oh, he was, was counting how many were left. <laughs> <laughs> I love all that sort of stuff. Uh, was what are your thoughts on the penalty? Um, obviously, Gabriel bringing down his man. There wasn't much of a delay. I think they were certain about contact being there. It was a clumsy, silly mistake In, to make, yes, and uh, quite an important, important point, important point of the game. Individual errors all round. I think uh, initially we were very, very lucky that they overhit the pass. Um, again, in transition, it sent them very wide, and that's why he, he overshot Ramsdale. Ended up coming far out to the left and he, the cross come in, got a flick on it. Saliba wins a header. Xhaka's touch is poor. Um, far too slack in the box. And then Gabriel, just a, a moment of panic as th this happens, you know, it happens. It's a London derby. We've been so dominant and just one moment, but we spoke about it earlier on in the season. You've got to appreciate that players like Gabriel is still so young. He's, he's, he's still, for a centre-back, he's still so young. And it doesn't, you know, People make mistakes and it doesn't excuse it. But what it what, what does matter is how you respond. And when he made his mistake earlier on in the season, he responded brilliantly. And he done the same again at the weekend. And the good thing about Gabriel is if he does make a mistake, he doesn't hide. He doesn't shy away. The next pass he plays is forward. He's always he's into the next duel, you know. He, he just wipes it off. And and yeah, it was an individual error. There was a there was a few a few errors involved in that. As I say, Jacques's touch, then the foul itself. I mean, it was just a moment, but we had it earlier on in the season and, it, and it's been a while since the Emirates has been like that. But yet again, what happened when the penalty went in? The whole stadium on its feet. Come on, wasn't it? come on, come on. Like you couldn't couldn't even hear any of the away end. All I could hear was all the Arsenal boys up again. We know we're the better team. We know we're better than them. It was just an individual moment. And the confidence that must breed to these players when they've just made a mistake and they might in the past have head have gone down. No, it ain't like that anymore, mate. It ain't like that anymore at the Emirates, you know? So... Yeah, unfortunately, there was a. It was just the, the response, though, because mistakes happen, and we got to accept that. When Kane puts the ball down, yeah, we looked at each other and thought, you know, he's just so good at penalties. And Ramsdale, to be fair, went the right way because that's where Kane puts most of his pens, but just couldn't get his. Uh, 
uh, sorry, he went the right way because that's where Kane puts most of his pens, but Kane actually went further sort of centrally, didn't he? And, and his leg, his foot just missed it as he brought his left foot up. Um, at 1-1, Yen, what are you thinking? Because we'd had a good start to the game, scored a worldie of a goal. Um, Tiago George says, legit did a knee slide in the living room when Thomas Party scored. <laughs> uh, don't blame you, mate. But yeah, you know, at 1-1, Kane scored with, what, 14 minutes to go into half time. What are you thinking? And of course, we go in at halftime, 1-1. The game is delicately poised. Yeah, it was. I think we all knew, you know, Spurs have been testing the, you know, the balls out wide and they've been testing the defence and there had been, you know, some chat, some testing moments. And unfortunately, the penalty, as was said, was a combination of, you know, individual errors. Um, I was concerned. You know, it's a derby game. I want to win. I don't, you know, I'm not here for the draw. I want to win. So I was concerned. I, I want to see how we respond in the second half. But, you know, I, I had faith in the team because I think, you know, the first half showed we were the better team by a mile. It was just that we knew how they play. They, you know, it's it's no secret how they play. But it, it's disappointing to be 1-1 when you are that dominant in a game. But I had faith. I, I, I was concerned at halftime, but still had faith because nothing had swayed me from that, that we were terrible and we couldn't, you know, make chance, fashion chances into the second half. Yep. Um, I'm similar to you. I I, I was, do you know what? When, you were when concerned, get, yeah. You, you I, I was concerned because I said before the game, well, I said before the game, I thought we'd win 3-1. And I'm not some sort of magical wizard, but I did, I did say that to everyone. I thought, you know, yeah, it's, you it's, I'm, I'm confident. This is probably going to be, they're the worst Spurs team, but an effective Spurs team that I've seen in a long time. And the way we played at Brentford, the way we played at Old Trafford, where we played largely this season, I thought we are just a better team than them. But what was keen, it was for us to score first and start well, which we did. And then, of course, a sucker punch comes. And I even turned to you at 1-0, said, the only way they're getting back into this game is a set piece because they're the tallest league in the tallest team in the league or a penalty. Wally turned and said, Fires, what minute What minute are they going to get a pen in this, in today's game? So he's got the pen, 1-1. One, one. It does wonders for your confidence. As much as Was talks about all of us being on our feet saying, come on, Arsenal, you know, five seconds after he's netted that pen. But they go in at halftime and I'm thinking, right, Conte's going to get them together. Arteta's probably going to send Arsenal out 100 miles an hour, go again. And that's when you've got to be really wary of getting caught on the break. But was four minutes into the second half, Gabriel Jesus pokes home from under the arms of Hugo Lloris. Um, talk me through that and, and what, you're, what you're thinking. And by the way, before you do that, Uncle Doris has just said, 415 of you, 434 of you watching live right now. Do drop a like on the channel. Do uh, on the video, sorry. Do subscribe if you're new. Uh, that is all really appreciated. But yeah, go on, was Gabriel Jesus. Yeah, like you said, the response, the, the way we come out, all pumped up, fired up. I'd love to know what was said in that, that dressing room at half-time, but you could just see they didn't, they didn't let anything affect them, you know, and, and we, we, we sort of weathered that little spell just before half-time where we were looking a little bit shaky, but we got ourselves calmed down. And I actually think half-time probably come at a good time for us in that game because it let us really get in and clear your head. It's, it's almost like a heavyweight boxer being knocked down, you know? And um, they know they're by far the better fighter, but they just took a punch and they needed that time to get in the corner. And, um, oh, very friendly cat here. <laughs> <laughs> he wants a piece. He wants a piece. He wants of the a piece. Go on. The, um, but what... <laughs> What again? The way we squeezed the goal—it was almost um, tactically. It was very similar, but the, the the subtle differences this time is that when we got the ball out wide to Saka, Benny White is on his bike. He's gone this time. You know, he's he's completely making that overlap. 
and again son is asleep and and we know that son would sleep because that's what he does defensively and no matter how compact spurs want to be if a player like that falls asleep in them areas it's going to cost you and that's what happened there because ben white he got distracted again for the first goal he got sucked in and then second goal he got sucked off but by <laughs> Dude, it took but... me a second to realise we just <laughs> No, but but the way he's Saka then has got the space, Ben White on the overlap, he's cut inside, you know, he's hit the target, that's all you can ask. And then it couldn't happen to a nicer tosser than Romero. Awful touch. Larice is all flapping at it. Jesus is just strong as an ox, gets his body in, little touch, and then oh mate, just you you're just you're looking at it thinking something's got to be wrong here. There's, there's something they're gonna, there's got to be something wrong. Well, I weren't looking at anything too far. I think I was upside down at the time, but I was <laughs> thinking in my head, something, something's gonna stop this goal. But when you uh, see um, it back, yeah, we he's well, everyone. he's well, uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I want to come to you because there was a tense moment, wasn't there? As, as there always mm. is in the North Bank lower, because obviously the line's been so close to us, but we turned to each other and said, they're gonna VAR this, I'm sure they will. Yeah. Um, but they, they didn't even, you know, didn't even take that long. There was you know, the goal was given, and uh, and of course, you know, we're we're two one up, and yeah. At that point, we're thinking, right, two one, the game is ours. You know, we're in complete control. They're not gonna have, they're not gonna have another penalty in this. Surely, like this got to be done and dusted. Just keep knocking on that door. Yeah, I mean, the thing was the one thing about that Gabriel Jesus goal, which I like actually, it was a scrappy goal. You know, it was a it, good play, but you know, it was Jesus being in the box and fighting for it. Yeah. Not, it wasn't any good striker. It was fighting for the... And he's actually very good at that. I have noticed that in the past. We haven't given him the opportunity to do so, but he was, you know, it's being sharp. Lacazette would never have, would not have been there for that. It's it, it, it's Jesus being sharp of mind saying, I'm going to do it and I have to be strong enough to get the ball and hook it in. Because it's it's a skill, actually, to, to be that mobile, to hook the ball from that closer distance and control your body enough. I loved it. I love these dirty goals. I don't give a, sh- I don't give a shit if you know how it happens in the North London. I want to be winning, and I love that Gabriel Jesus is is of that mentality to absolutely go for it. But then, you know, at two one, I thought, yeah, we were going to be in control because I thought from the set from the get go, that second half, whatever Mikel said had worked perfectly because the boys were at it again, and the second goal actually to me broke Spurs. It actually broke Spurs' spirit because I could see. The dropping of the heads. They they knew that. Look, I think I think they were they were taken by how quickly we we'd went into the lead and obviously the scrappy goal. And was says Gabriel Jesus's body strength is immense. I mean Romero is supposed to be this next level defender. And Larice, look, there's some there's some digs about Larice in the comments. Ranted Pumpkin says Larice just a horrible goalkeeper. Still don't know how he's France's number one. Statistically, he's actually he was actually the third best goal. Sorry, the second best goalkeeper in the league last year after Allison. And that's courtesy of John Harrison from the Goalkeepers Union, which is amazing. But both of you said, I wonder what was said at halftime. You you know, Mikel's just looked at it and said, we have to win this fucking game, man. (laughs) Um, Was, I want to eulogize about the third goal because it's a player who you and I both love. And, mate, I have to be honest, I'll tell you what happened. So when... We've obviously had some build-up, and I know you're going to talk about the build-up because Thomas Party's little dink over. Oh, what a what a what a little give and go that was. When Granite Xhaka gets that ball, and he takes that little touch, I've no, I know he scored before the balls hit the net because I've been in a privileged position of where I sit. Like the the goal is just 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 sort of in front of me, ten meters, 
And I've seen Xhaka do that, that bullet, bullet shot in the bottom corner. I have raced down to row one as that ball hits the back of the net before I even shot Yem smiling here because I left them all for dead. I just went straight down to row one thinking, right, I'm gonna, this is my moment. I'm going to get onto the pitch and just hug Granite Xhaka. I've just lost complete control of myself because this goal meant so much to me, man. Like it was the North London derby. It was the goal that that just gives you that that breathing sort of space between us and them. But it was this guy. I love this guy. And I I was lost in the moment, man. I was lost. Anyway, you tell me, you tell me about the build up and how you feel. You you're right. Everyone well, everyone to a man was lost in my I think there was people all over the world doing cartwheels and all sorts in their living rooms, you know, it's just one of them moments. But it's it's very rare you score such a perfect goal. And there's been there's been games where due to referees, you know you're gonna to have to score a perfect goal. It weren't so much like that the other day, but you you know when you have them games and that was just the perfect goal. You know, it, it just the way it all worked. I mean, the, the build up to it. And I know we, we might, we'll probably talk about um, the red card and stuff after. Um, but Xhaka's involvement in that situation as well was immense. But the goal itself here, like you said, Thomas Party again, picking up the pieces in midfield, that little dink over Hoiberg, seal out of your mug. The one two with Xhaka. Xhaka's there with his partner all the time. He wants it off a of party, them two playing together. And if you watch Martinelli, because it's Romero out wide, Romero gets sucked across and Martinelli sees that straight away and he just goes the other direction. And and it's them subtle movements. If Martinelli had retained his whip, Romero would have just seen him wide and nothing would have happened. But he's took the ball on the inside. The first touch is very, very good. Romero's like a dog on a lead following him. Eric Dyer's just going walkie. He's completely baffled by what's going on. Like you said, Jacker takes it off for Martinelli, changes the angle. First touch, great. Second touch out of the feet. And the third touch was just never in doubt. And just for a guy like that, after everything, after the way he's been performing this season, and we, we, we all know, we can talk for days on end about his past and all this, but the reality is all that mattered in that moment was that ball going in the bottom corner. And, and like Yem said, I, I couldn't give a toss who it was, but it was just all so much sweeter that it was on that left boot and it was that perfect move. And Dyer and Romero looked like mugs, and Hoiberg was floundering in the middle of the park. And we just scored the perfect third goal, and the gaff erupted four minutes after the red card. And at that point, I'm thinking, give me 10, come on, give me 10. But, you know, they're the moments that you live for as a football fan. And to a man in that stadium, you knew then because it was it was over. It was 10 men, it was 3 1. It was such a beautiful goal. He's hit it so hard. The, the fans, you see Zinchenko, I don't know if you've seen it, he's on his knees like yeah. 30 yards away, just giving it all, and you just, yeah. just pandemonium everywhere, and that, that, as a football fan, and you can imagine worldwide, there were people all over the place just, just doing the same sort of thing, and it's just a brilliant, brilliant moment to be an Arsenal fan, but on a personal level, like you said, FK, I mean, to see Granite go through everything and get back and do that, I mean, what a moment, eh? What a moment. It's just a football moment. You can't you they're the things that you can't write and they happen. And that's why we all love this game. You're right, man. Uh there was a comment. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice obviously is still recovering. Jimbo Jimbo FK literally tearing up. I had a wobble, I have to be honest. Like I went I, I um I just lost it. Like I, I was just lost in the moment. As soon as you took that touch, I raced straight down to row one because I sit right by the step the, the stairwell. And um and then he's banged it in and I'm hugging this random dude. He's like, who the fuck are you? And I'm just like, sorry, mate. <laughs> and then 
then um and then I've, I've tried to come up the stairs and there's a guy called john who sits row 10 and he comes running down and he's like Jacques, fk Jacques. and i'm like <laughs> fucking yeah um yeah uh obviously you you stayed in your seat like a normal person but i got hit in the head again at that point Do you know what i got hit in the head again at that point but the north bank just oh, euphoric mate, was... euphoric i mean you just explain to me how you felt when thomas boy did that little dink the little give and go martinelli picks it up and jacka i mean come on do you know what do you know what for a split second you know before he struck the goal i could see the amount of space you could see the amount of space he had got jacka you're like he's gonna have it yeah. isn't he? he's gonna have yeah. it because you knew at that point he's got the technique he's got the space he knew in his he head, changed the angle yeah he changed the exactly. angle, mate. That was the most important thing. He changed the angle. That's what he done. He and, knew ma- and made the space. And made the space. Yeah, he made that goal. Yeah, he made. The- he made the. Yeah, you're right. That's exactly what he done with Martinelli's touch. He knew the angles there to be had, and he- his touch just took everyone it's, out. Of it's the way. a really clever skill to create your own space in in such a congested area. Because Spurs still were, were playing the same old game. It hadn't changed. You know, it's like a dog with a bone. They don't change themselves. And- you know, it was perfect. It gave, you could see, you know, like everyone sees that split second before the goal. As you said, you rush down the stairs. I could see in that split second, that's it. He's going to score here. It's going to go bottom <laughs> corner. It's going to go absolutely mental. And I was actually bracing myself. So I knew the dude behind me. He had this tendency throughout the whole game. And he was literally, he, I don't know, he's just a rando and literally jumped over me again. I was like, what? But it, it was great because also as well, before that, we haven't talked about it yet, but the red card. Well, let's talk like, about it now because it was yeah. mentioned it as well. So, I mean, obviously at 2-1, Martinelli's got the ball out wide and Emerson Royale just goes in. Um, again, because you started the combo, tell us about, I mean, it was important. I couldn't see anything. We, I mean, could, we, we were straight on Twitter it. going, what's happened? What's happened? Everyone's saying definite red, definite red, definite red. But go on, Yem. Yeah, it was a really, it's a really weird scenario. I don't know if was, you know, how was, was it with his view, but... It, it was kind of like the, the crowd in the in the in the clock end started going yeah, and we were like, huh, what? What's happened? What's happened here? Because obviously it's down the other end, and you, we were so confused. And then one of the people, who's one of our usuals, goes, "It's a red card. It's a red card. It's a red card here." And I was like, "No, it can't be," because there wasn't like a ooh or a, you know something that indicates a red card. It was just it just happened out of nowhere. But going back and looking at it, you know, when we watched when I watched it on Match of the Day and on Twitter. It was a pretty stupid tackle. He was going away from goal, Martinelli. They just raked him across the back of the foot. And I think, who's it? Jonathan Pierce said, oh, it, it looks like a yellow on match of day. Bollocks. Sorry. That, it, that was, that's a dangerous tackle. That could have injured him for the whole season if it, if it had been any more, you know, any more up the foot. It was, it was ridiculous. And what a stupid time to do it. And apparently, Emerson Royer has been taking lessons to become a better footballer. But you need a few more of those, mate. It's, it, it, Rose, what were your thoughts? You Jake, Jacob says, studs on the ankle, on the standing leg, leg is always a red. I can't even read tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the um, what I don't like is this notion that it changed the game because it bloody didn't. Because a few minutes before that, again, Ben White actually went on the overlap. Saka used him this time. If you remember, crossed in Jesus, free header, he's got a score. Absolute sitter. But he got injured. Do you, do you know? But you yeah, saw it as well. Injured, wasn't he? He, he got yeah. he got knocked by Romero. Yeah, the day he, he was. Can't. He yeah. smacked him right in the knee, and you could tell he was he was buggered. He was and I don't know why yeah. he didn't take. Yeah, no, it was a big chance though. But then they were on the ropes. They were there for the taking. But the thing that I took from the wreck, and like you guys, I'm I'm in, I'm North Bank. I'm that corner. I can't couldn't see a thing. Like you said, I heard the noise. I thought it was a streak or something. I didn't know what was going on. 
was gonna say, I was so euphoric about being up and them on the ropes, but the, the watching it back, the, the thing that stands out for me the most, when we talk about Xhaka's goal, and that was brilliant, if you watch that bit, that period of play, he, he got across, yeah, left back. Don't know how he was there. He swept up brilliantly. Then instead of just hoofing it down the line, he played this brilliant ball inside to Erdegaard, who then played it out to Martinelli. And the confidence of us to retain possession and be confident enough in our own final third to play in those areas caused that moment to happen because Spurs were rattled. And don't, don't get me wrong, it's absolutely idiotic. And it's a, one of the most stupid tackles. Definite red card. He started up behind the Achilles, right down onto the foot. It's just idiotic. There's no excuse for it. And it, whether, luckily, the ref did see it in time because it's one of them, you know, at VAR, they probably wouldn't have bloody questioned that. But he's good refereeing. And um, I'm glad he did see it. And whether the linesman had something to do with it, but they did deal with it well. But all of that came from us believing in our ability. Came again from Xhaka coming across a little reverse ball into Erdegaard. Plays it out wide. We're confident. We're playing in our own area. Martinelli's first touch is so assured. His second touch takes him away from the player. And that's when the foul comes. And it's just Uncle Doris. Moments. Go on. Go on. Go on. What's gone? No, Uncle, we'll just see that comment. Uncle Doris is spot on. He yeah, did I have the Ant best view I in the whole ground. And I thought Anthony Taylor actually had a had a good game. Um, as Matt J says, the red card wouldn't have changed the result. We were so in control of that game. It was only going to be one winner. Uh, Jacob yeah, Alexander right. says, I think the red card actually saved them because after our third goal, we stopped playing and we started training. Um, Correct. Go on, yeah. They, they shut up shop, you know, as you said, they brought on four defenders. That was it. The game was over. He, Conte had given up. The white flag had been raised. It was, you know, that was it. It was now a case of just, you know, the best thing we did after that third goal went in was taking off Partey, taking off Jesus, who I thought should have gone off earlier when he got that injury, and saving players because we are hitting such a, an intense period of football right now. We've got Bodo Glimt in the week. We have then got another massive game next weekend. It was the best thing they could have done. And the red card actually, you know, as we said, wouldn't have changed the game, but it changed it for us and that we could relax more. They'd shut, they'd close the game off and we could just literally put it as a training exercise. But it, it, it was good that we could actually do that for our squad's, you know, health effectively. Mate, for our health, if we had nine of them this month, I'll be dead. There's no way I could handle nine of them games in a month. No. So, but... <laughs> from our point of view as fans as well, we needed that. We needed that relaxation just to say, we free one up. they got 10 men. Please don't just let me relax yeah. and, and get through this. Do you know what scares me slightly is, you know, that tackle on Martinelli, if it had been a, you know, a, a force much harder or further up the leg, we would have lost him pretty much for the whole season. I'm pretty sure of it, or a good couple yeah. of months. It's it's these kind of you know. I'm glad the referee saw it and red carded because it's got there's got to be a change in some of these tackles. You know, Saka last year. You know, Martinelli gets some horrendous tackles on them. There needs to be just you know some protection. I'm glad that Anthony Taylor saw it. We got some protection because we can't afford these injuries to to key players. We wrote our I luck do on think, that one, mate. I do think weirdly though. I, I actually don't think it was intent. I just think he's thick as shit, basically. Oh, no, that's like, for it's, sure. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not one of them tackles where I think he's gone to do him. I just think Martinelli's too quick for him and he's just, um, yeah. you know, he's, he's stupid. Not good, like. he, he's not a good football. I don't know what Spurs, why Conte starts him because he's awful. He doesn't offer anything. I have not seen any realistic contribution from him. I'm glad we missed Do you know what? Would you remember we were linked with him 
before. There is just no need to make a challenge like that so close to the no, touchline. Right. Simple no, as that. No, no. Uh, Matt J says, exactly, um, game management by Arteta, superb based on the games coming up. Uh, eight or nine games this month in October. Every three days rotation is key for us here. Absolutely. Chaps, I want to get your thoughts on two potential candidates for men of the match, man of the match. Uh, and I want to get your thoughts on who was your man of the match. And it, it, feel free to, to, to disagree with the two on screen. But one is, of course... Thomas Party. We have talked about his contribution to the goals, uh, obviously the goal scorer, but also making Granite Jackers. But was this guy, this unbelievable defender that we have, William wow. Saliba. <laughs> I mean, forget his tricks and flicks in the opposition box, because we know that's not what he's about. But I don't know what to say. Like, he's so good. He's, he's, I, I said, I can't even remember when I said it. I think it was in the post-match meal yeah, with me, you and Joe, where I said, there are players that you see when they're young, they come onto the scene and you think, this guy's got it. He's going to be really, really good. Like Sesk, Ramsey, Wilshere. We've seen players like this all throughout the years, right? Vieira. When I look at William Saliba, generational obviously is the word, but when I look at him, I think he might be the most talented young player I've ever seen. Honestly, like I can't, and I know I'm lucky. I've seen so many incredible players over the years, like like your Vieiras, like your your Wilshires and your Sesks and whatnot. But what he's doing at this age, he doesn't even break a sweat, and he's doing it against elite. Op- I mean, look, Harry, as much as we hate Spurs, Kane, Son are two awesome players and they're like they're not even got out of his pocket i just mate i'm running out of words for this guy he's robotic in a sense that he he lacks emotion he's just so calm and cool and cold composed it's just disgusting there was a period of play where he's in our own box and he's in his six yard box and he's got his head up and he's dribbled left he's gone round one he's dribbled right i'm literally on the end of Get get me out of the flipping defibrillator! I'm gonna die. And he's just just chilling, just chilling in the box, just dribbling it around strikers, looking up for the next pass. I'm thinking, geez, you ain't well in the head. Like, what? How are you doing this? <laughs> you are 21 years old in a North London derby, and you're dancing around some of the best attackers out there, and you're not even concerned. And he, everything he does, is so precise, so intelligent, so it's just minimum fuss. If he he, if he went steaming for a challenge, it would look poetic. And I don't know how he does it. It's, it's like he's so graceful in everything he does, but he's such a machine and such a monster. And the physicality of the guy, I mean, what's going to happen when he grows up? <laughs> I mean, honestly, what's going to happen when he grows up? Because watching him now, look, it's been five, six, seven games. I said to you, remember we sat here at the start of the season, I said, look, once this kid is in this team, I'm telling you now, He's going nowhere. He is not leaving this team ever again until some if he goes or whatever. But he is sensational. And he his development has been great, but he's still so young. And I think the reason at times Gabriel gets a bit of a bad rep is because he's playing alongside a 21-year-old monster. And, and the reality is Gabriel's a very, very good young centre-back as well. But Saliba, oh my God. And not just that, he's sung. Even at the end, right, the whole stadium singing his song as he's walking off. Mate, he's not even, he's, he's just like smiling, just a little thumb up. 
I mean, I'd be absolutely buzzing. And he just looks like it's another day at the office. That'd be days on to next week. And it, it, that is the elite mentality. I mean, the, the, the brain on the kid, let alone his physical attributes, what he does with the ball, his intelligence, he's, oh, he's just unbelievable. And it, it, surely there has got to come a period where he has a little bit of a rough spell, he makes a few errors, because it happens to everyone. You know, it happens absolutely. It's been happening to Van Dyke. It happens to everyone. But he just doesn't, to me, it looks like he would not be phased by it. And his response would just be impeccable. And that's why I've been very pleased with Gabriel's response, you know, to issues, because he has stood up. And I think Saliba's given him that confidence and, and everyone around him. But the spine, you spoke about it earlier, them four players, Jacob Party, Saliba, Gabriel, and then you've got Jesus in the middle, Ramsdale and Erdegaard right through the middle of that team oh my god we're cooking we are actually so good but big willy my mate i don't and he just what more can we say about him come on i can't literally you can't say more for this young kid you excuse me sorry guys our voices are all over the shop today you're absolutely (laughs) right i mean charlie just going back to my comment about the youngsters He's good, but Cesc was more impressive at, uh, at 17, obviously dominating games. Like, I don't want to compare it, but you, you kind of get why, just sort of tickle the, the sentiment. You kind of get where I was trying to come from. I think yeah, Cesc, talk- to be fair, Cesc, mate, Cesc come into a side that had literally coming out true, of the air of being invincible, and he, w- he was surrounded by absolute born winners. William Saliba yeah. has come into a team to replace Rob Holding, and he's fucking the best defender in the league. Like, you are spot on what you're saying. And Cesc, magnificent player, there's been a lot of talented youngsters. But pound for pound, in his role, the way he's played so far this season, William Saliba looks absolutely fucking incredible. Yeah, uh, there's probably not much you can say to that. But I will throw a stat at you, Yem. In every game that William Saliba has played, in every minute of however hundreds of minutes he's played for us this season, he's not been dribbled past once. I mean... It's the roller. As Gav, our good friend Gav says, it's the roller. He, he, honestly, mm. it's, it's actually frightening because there are two players in the Premier League that are truly scary at the moment. Two youngsters. Erling Haaland scored, a double hat, scored another hat-trick today <laughs> and William Saliba. It is actually mental that you have two such young players playing at such a high level. And doesn't matter. Look, as Was says, there will come a point at which everyone has a downturn. There's always a loss. You're human. But it, the, the characteristics that he's got, it's unbelievable. The speed, the poise as well. I mean, we're talking poise in a defender who is six foot four as a thick unit. He's not like he's not like a, a language style player. He's a thick unit. He's a he's, big, he's, big boy. He's, Built as anything, and he did a drag back in the box yesterday. And that moment, what was talking about? All of us went, please, went, just clear it, clear it. And he just went, I just have another turn, another turn, another turn. <laughs> and then I'll pass it out, you know, just check it over there, check it over, check it, and then I'll just check it over there. It's honestly mental because all of us would be going, oof it, oof it, clear it out. Why are you not clearing it out? And Gabriel probably would clear it out, but he literally just. But uh, yeah, it's not really my style. I, I tend to just like to pass it off a little bit and then uh, be on my way. You know, it's it. What a player! The biggest problem, and I've highlighted this so many times, and it's nothing to do with him. It's his contract. It it really does scare. Well, me. look, all, all I'll say on that is that he needs to remember 
He supported Arsenal as a he, you know, he supported Arsenal as a boy. Big Willie, I know you're watching. He supported <laughs> Arsenal as a boy. This is his boyhood club. It's all he wanted to do. Arsenal were the club that took the you know the, the punt on him when he was a young boy, unknown, 30 million quid or whatever it was. He's now playing. He's now a regular. He's a starter in this first team. And if if he thinks there's a project that's more exciting than where he is at the moment, or if he thinks there's a club that's potentially more exciting as a boyhood fan. I don't know what to say. Just throw all the money at him. Do whatever yeah. it takes. Sign him up. But that's the problem. So let, let's play this out because at some point, I probably he's on 18 months, isn't he? He's got 18 months left, hasn't he? So January, pretty much, we're going to have to make the decision, aren't we? If if Real Madrid came calling, I'm playing devil's advocate and offered 80 to 100 million. Yeah, I don't want to talk about this, Jim. I don't. I, don't, I just don't want to be negative. But give me your money. Not... Give me. There's be plenty of time to talk about William Saliba. Let's not. Let's not dampen the mood. He's got two years to go. Um, next summer <laughs> okay, is, probably, okay. is probably a big summer. Um, and as Clegg says, you know, big William, my face. That's right. Uh, right. <laughs> man, man of the match, chaps. Who was the man of the match for you both yesterday? Uh, yeah, I'm starting with you. Party. I just think he he ta- he was just immense in that midfield going against two you know av- what they what they were cardboard boxes effectively but he absolutely stole the show in terms of his movement passing tackling back transitional play everything that we knew he gives he gave yesterday and he's been in he's been you know on the shelf for a week or so so Saliba was pretty close and actually Xhaka was as well I thought all three of them were outstanding yesterday. But for me, Thomas Party was my man of the match. And was? Yeah, I mean, so difficult to choose. Yeah, I mean, yeah, happy. And the goal. I forgot, the goal. I forgot the goal. I forgot you got to score the goal as well. And the goal as well. Yeah, I do. I do make Yem right with a lot of that. I think. I think he's spot on with that. I mean, there were so so many good performances, and even there weren't standouts. So players like Odegaard and Saka, they went about their work quietly, but they were flipping magnificent in what they'd done. You know, and it it, it weren't it weren't a game for them to be. Oh look at me! Like it was a functional game where they'd done the right things at the right time, and it won us the game, you know. And there was so many good performances out there, but obviously Thomas Party was just, yeah, absolutely sensational. Saliba, really, really, really impressive. Right through the team, mate. We were there. We were up for it. And Ramsdale, he made that save uh, right at the, yeah. uh, in the first yeah. half. Yeah. I think it was offside. To be fair, I think I haven't seen the angle, but the the flick on. I think that when Richarlison shot, it was offside, but. He still had to make the save and he did make the save and when he was called upon he did and that was you know everyone to their mat to a man done their job and and it was just a perfect day from start to finish for for absolutely all of us but what it is it's a building block onto the next week and it's it, it's it's a step in the right direction and ultimately we have to continue this because in two games time without sounding negative we could we could lose to liverpool we could go away to leeds and struggle and we could be behind spurs again so you can't let up in this league. No one, you know, we've won seven out of eight games. We've been absolutely sensational. But let's keep going. Let's keep that mentality, positivity. Let's keep playing the way we are. Let's keep believing in what we do. And let's go out next week and absolutely batter Liverpool because we owe them one. We do indeed. And what a time to play them. Uh, before we close and talk about, there's a specific question that I'm going to ask both of you right at the end and obviously look at the league table. Um I want to just say a word on the atmosphere because it has been absolutely brilliant at the Emirates. And was you, you've mentioned a couple of times about moments of adversity, you know, Saliba scoring an own goal, Kane getting that penalty and scoring. And then the fans were immediately up on their, on our feet, like urging the team on. I, I've not experienced the Emirates, I don't think, 
since perhaps like the first season or two. Um, you know, I, I, there, there just seems to be a, a real bond between the fans and the gaffer, the fans and the players, a really likable bunch of players. Atmosphere is amazing. And I want to shout out Raymond, who's obviously at Red Action Gooners, because I've known Raymond for a long time on a personal note. But those of you guys who are maybe watching from overseas, you'll notice that Arsenal have like banners and the big flags, uh, uh, you know, all over the, the ground. That takes a lot of coordination. And Raymond has been working tirelessly. And I thought it was Raymond and team. And actually, it's just a guy called Raymond who does it all on his own. Uh, and fair play to the club because they coughed up financially for that massive uh, banner that, we, that you saw on the North Bank before kickoff. But was, I mean, you've been going to Arsenal games for a long time, home and away. This is special, isn't it? It is. It is. And, it, and that's that's massive credit to Mikel Arteta because... Me being one of them, I didn't believe in it, mate. It got to the stage where, you know, it was really on the on the edge of, of him probably losing his job. But massive credit to the board, massive credit to Edu and, and what they've built here. And it's just the beginning. You do feel it is just the beginning. I think that's why it's so special at the moment, because we're all fully aware that we are on the journey now. You know, we, we've gone through years of, of frustration. We've gone through years of poor transfer windows. And like you said, even like right backdating to the start of the Emirates, even the club itself. I mean, you remember when we first moved to the Emirates, it was just a concrete bowl when it had no personalisation. We had nothing there. And, and they made big steps to make it feel like home. And it does feel like home now. And it and it and the more and more performances you get like that, the more moments, the big moments you get, it's gonna get even better. But yeah, we've been through some real horrible years, especially away from home. We've had fans fighting in stands and, and it's it's been you know, quite miserable for years. And that's largely due to a massive difference in opinion regarding on-the-pitch affairs, you know. We all want Arsenal to do well, but everyone had different opinions. But what we have got now is a unified fan base that believes wholeheartedly in everything they are seeing. We believe in the players to a man. We can understand their roles. We can see what they do. Whereas in previous years, I think we've had situations where we might not understand. And, and Granite Xhaka is probably the biggest way to epitomise this situation because people now see him and understand him and they get him. And that's that's a hole there. And that starts right from the top, right at the top of the club, and it works the way through. And you can see the mentality, you can see what's been built, and it's fed right down to us as a fans. And I know it sounds horrible, but at the very bottom, it's fed through all the through the top, down to Arteta, through the squad, and now we're seeing the re we're reaping the rewards of the, the belief they've had in that. And we're getting it later than the players that have been in the dressing room for the last two years. And they've every interview, to be fair, they've always said, this guy's a genius. They've said it about Arteta from the start. And we're sat here losing, you know, winning one game in eight and all this and thinking, you know what, at times I like him, but I'm not too sure. But I mean, my God, look where we are now. And, and, and everyone's invested. And it's such a good feeling to go down the Arsenal with your mates, the social side of it, you see them every week. We've always had that right, but it's different now. It's very, very different. The mood is upbeat. Anything that goes wrong, it just gets rectified. It's like happy times are back. And football can change very, very quickly. So we should enjoy the good times. But I'm telling you now, the reason it's special is because we are looking very, very good and give it one or two years, another two good investment windows, where could we be? You know, And, and there's no reason why if we continue this form this season, why can't we be right up there challenging right at the top of the league? It's, it's, it's not, I'm not saying we're in a title race, we're in nine games or whatever through the season, it's very early. But 
just looking at it, the belief of the players, the response to losing to United, going to Brentford and turning up, the way we've just decimated Spurs. It's another big test next week. But if it don't go right, fine. Turn up at Leeds the next week. It's about the response because you're not going to win 36 of 38 games in the Premier League. It's, it's just not going to happen. So long may this continue. But yeah, the, the, the whole situation in the stadium, the way we're feeling, the togetherness, it's just brilliant. Everyone's just on the same wavelength. And it, it now people can have dif- different opinions because you're going to get that in football. But what you do get is an understanding of the opinions and why people feel this way. Whereas in the past, sometimes you look at it and think, I can't, I just can't see it, mate. Because there's, like, there's no structure, there's no balance, there's no nothing going on. But, mate, from top to bottom, as I said, we are there and we're on the, on the path. And this might be step one. You know, this could be step one or this could be step eight out of ten. And Arteta's nearly at his top. We won't know until we keep going. But let's hope it is step one or two and we're, we're really heading back into the Champions League and we're going to compete at the highest highest part of Europe again because ultimately, the Cronkies say that's what they want. I sort of half believe them after seeing the success they've had elsewhere. And I think maybe now they've realised they have to take Arsenal serious. And, and luckily, we seem to have the right guys in there that care about the club. They're intelligent, they're young, they're hungry. And like the whole club we got at the moment, the whole squad we got at the moment, that's where we're at. And it's so good to smash Spurs, but the bigger picture is so much more impressive. Quite right. As Matt J says, the masterstroke in hindsight perhaps could have been the all or nothing document. Getting a closer look to the team in the background, it's allowed us to kind of bond with the team. Yeah, and on mm. that note, Red Gorilla with the best comment of the night, I think. Um, Jurgen Klopp is currently playing North London forever during training this week. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very, very good message. Red Gorilla, I flipping love that. Thank you so much. Uh, Jacob said in the chat, uh, FK, please, could you share links to vote in the awards? So, yeah, anybody tuning in now, and there are well over 500 of you watching live. Uh, Latte Firm has been uh, shortlisted as a finalist for the award at the prestigious Football Content Awards taking place in November. Uh, we are up for the award of best new content creator. So if you'd be kind enough, as you can see the message along the ticker, get along to the website um, and vote for Latte Firm. And if you don't like any of the content, I don't know why you're watching, but if you don't like any of the content, please do vote for somebody else because making content is time consuming. It's good fun, but it can be quite challenging. So I really appreciate that, Jacob. Uh, I'm going to close by looking at the league table. And then I've got a closing question from Kenny AFC, uh, which I thought was quite interesting. Uh, But just bear with me as I bring that up. This is, again, courtesy of PremierLeague.com. And as you can see, chaps, it's good looking at the moment. We are, of course, top of the Barclays Premier League. Eight games played, 7-1. We lost that game to Old Trafford. I think it's confirmed. I am the jinx. Uh, but we are 21 points. Manchester City, they are, you know, they're showing that they can handle the heat, handle the spice. Uh, Erling Haaland and Phil Foden getting a, you know, a hat trick apiece as they tore apart Manchester United today. The old enemy lying in third, Brighton, who have been quite impressive, but of course losing to Chelsea, who have who have now narrowed the gap onto that top four, uh, courtesy of that victory yesterday. Look, the league table's looking pretty good. And the question that I kind of want to focus on is FK, after watching Man City. Do you salivate about playing them or are you scared of playing them? I've got a feeling I know what was he's going to say. So I'm going to come to Yem first. Uh, Yem, uh, to elaborate on Kenny's question, I mean, how do you feel about City? They are obviously favourites for the league title, but can we sustain a bit of a charge? And if the fixture was this weekend, would you be looking forward to it or would you be fearing it? Oh, I'd look forward to it. It's a test. You have to know where you are. I mean, look, the fact is we are playing well. You know, we all understand what Man City are. They are a, a juggernaut in terms of their finances and in terms of the squad. The squad has been built up over a number of years. They've added a, 
an, an amazing player in Erling Haaland. There's no other way to put it. He is something different. He's a different level. But you don't, if you don't want to test yourselves in the league against this kind of these kind of opposition, then why are you in? Why are you in these races? I, I, I'm not scared. I, I wouldn't be scared of them. You play them, and then you see where you are. It, it, that's football, isn't it? You have to accept what's what's in front of you. And we all know. Look, Man City are still the favourites for the league. But don't discount us. Yeah, I mean, yes, as was said, it's nine games in. We have to take things with, you know. You know, game by game, but game by game, we're having we're having challenges put in front of us, and we're winning. This weekend was one challenge. Next weekend is Liverpool, another challenge. But I go into the Liverpool game, you know, confident. I, they're a good team, no doubt. But I've seen enough of this team to say, look, if we've got a fully fit squad, and I think Mikel is doing well to manage the squad. We'll find out against Bodo Glimp this week how he, you know, he perceives that. It's it's looking good for us, and I, 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 you, how can we not be anything but happy and wanting to challenge these, you know, the big six? For years, we've been in this inadequate position where we've gone into games and said we're definitely going to get tonked, and you hope for something, you know, that hope for an for some kind of in-game event like a red card or something like that. This year is different in that every fan thinks, look, we can actually go into a game and give a good challenge. We may lose, but at least we've got. The, we can see that we can compete in a game, and it's not a case of we may get, we may hit um, some event or something like that. It, that's still to come. But we've got the players, the the style, the belief, the system, the depth as well to compete. So I would, well, no, as I, as Idibito says, you know, don't forget the performance that we had against yeah, performance exactly. that we had against City at, at the Emirates last season. Of course, we're stronger. Um, and, you know, so that's going to be really sort of interesting. Shoria uh, says Haaland is a cheat code, but so is Saliba. Exactly. Um, was, same question to you. And again, just to kind of remind anybody who's just tuned in, Kenny AFC asked, FK, after watching Man City today and after watching Man City in general, I suppose, do you salivate about playing them or do you fear playing them? Was, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think games spawn with all of that, mate, to be honest. I think you've got, you got to look forward to these games, but I actually think, this season, especially, I think it'd be fascinating, especially at the Emirates. Tactically, I can't wait to see how it unfolds. I know that sounds weird, but I just I can't. I'm trying to envisage what will happen and how Pep will approach it because stylistically, we're very similar. And and I think if we go man for man and toe to toe with them, we might we could come out on top because at home, you know, it, it becomes then. And these big games often are moments that we, we say this all the time, that the top, top elite level, the games are decided and won or lost on moments. And if we get in a situation where we're performing to the level that a game is won or lost on a moment, I'm happy because that means we are there. You know, with, like we said about that performance in January, we were very, very unlucky. City were at the top of their game and they, they robbed the win off of us in that situation. But you said yourself, we're so much stronger. We are so much stronger, but what we have got to remember is very early. It's early October. It's nine games into the season. You know, the one, I don't know if you know this, but at this stage of the season, there's never any club that's had 20 points or more at this stage of the season has never finished outside the top four um, since the start of the Premier League history. Nice. So, yeah. So, I mean, the, the 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 likelihood of that happening, you know, obviously it's it's, it's not so, happened in that, that many years. So, but so here's, a, so here's a question to, to both of you. Next weekend is Liverpool. But for the first time, personally to me, I'm actually quite confident 
for the first time in a long time, I actually think we may turn Liverpool over because A, they're in a little bit of a poor form and B, we are in such good form. That's the first time in a long time where I've said that us on our own, not Liverpool playing shit or anything like that, us being an attacking force is actually going to win the game because I just think that it's this year there's something different. There, there, we can all feel it from the defence, William Saliba, through to, you know, Gabriel Jesus. There are pieces there that have just taken us up a level. And I'm. It, it's almost, we, we have, they have raised the bar. It, it, it just feels like, I don't know if you guys feel that, that, you know, like next week, I mean, how do you feel about next weekend? It's, Look, we, we, we've been going for some time and obviously, obviously we'll have pre-match previews and stuff before before the game next weekend. The way I'm feeling right now is that I'll take anyone at home. And Liverpool, I think, are obviously, you know, very, very good manager, great squad. They spent hundred plus million pounds in the summer. You know, Darwin Nunez, of course, springs to mind, but they are just fatigued. I think they're a team that played every single competitive game there was last season. They've obviously, you know, that maybe it's just sort of burnout or something, whatever it is, long may it continue, but... This is a great time to play them. At the same time, they are very much a wounded animal. And you know what that's like, right? Yeah, it's, it's dangerous to kind of maybe overestimate your confidence and overestimate how bad they are because they have goal scorers and they can kill games. Who are they playing so, this week? Who are they playing this uh, week in the Champions League? Champions League. Champions League, they're playing... I uh, don't care. Don't care who they're playing. But um, they, will be, they will be so up for it next weekend. But yeah, you're right. As so many people in the chat are saying, this is the best time to play Liverpool they will they will have to play a strong team in the Champions League because of their their bad start um, hey, I'll tell you the best way to sum it up quickly Rangers. best way cool, was. no I was just going to say the best way to Rangers sum it away. up Rangers away is it Rangers yeah. away Viva? no Rangers wow. at home what do you mean Rangers at, Rangers at home this week they're playing at Anfield they're at Anfield they're at Anfield yeah okay oh. okay but I think from our point of view, the best way to sum it up: once upon a time, we got beat at home by Ostersunds. In the, in, we lost, <laughs> we lost, at, we lost at the Emirates at Ostersunds, and the, the way we're feeling at the moment, we're sat here being excited about a game after a game. We've got to play Bodo yeah, Glimt uh, on Thursday, and we're so confident and happy that we're not even looking at the rotation and that we're not thinking anything about that. What we are thinking about is the next three points in the Premier League. And that shows the level of confidence, the level of excitement, the level of happiness. Whereas at one stage, we wouldn't have even looked past Ostersons and we turned up and got turned over at home by a team that had existed for about three years and had a couple of postmen. So look at us now, eh? We're getting back, boys. Yeah. We're coming back. We started here and now we're at the top. Uh, look, look, guys, uh, thanks so much for everybody watching. More than, well, more than 500 of you watching live right now, which must be some sort of a latte firm record. But do drop a like on the video. It really helps in the algorithms. It just press the little like button. It helps us sort of climb up even more. And subscribe if you're new and subscribe if you like the content. Anybody watching can follow uh, Yem, who is at Verge59. I'm not going to say throw abuse at him because he doesn't deserve it this weekend. And if anybody <laughs> wants to follow Woz... Don't yeah, punch don't him punch in the head. He's had enough. That'll happen in the next. That'll happen in the next home game. That's what. <laughs> and if anybody wants to follow was for his awesome insight, he is of course at Arsenal was. Look, until next time, uh, we will probably have a pre midweek show uh, about the sort of Europa League game. May do a, a Friday night preview of the Liverpool game on Twitter Spaces. That is turning into a very popular phone and we had just shy of 5,000 people listen to the North London Derby post-match phone-in on Saturday. Numbers are going up and up and up and of course do vote for Latte Firm. But in the meantime, North London is very much red. Up the Gunners, see you very, very soon.